You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of Doing the Work, the first show on the Back Home Network covering IU women's basketball. This is our 94th episode, recorded on Wednesday, January the 3rd, 2024. I am your host, Kathy Amos, and I am joined tonight by my co-host, Jeff Marlowe. And today we will be breaking down your number 14, Indiana Hoosiers 77-71 win over the Fighting Illini. The Hoosiers have now won 10 in a row. And with that win, it brings their record to 11-1 overall and 2-0 in the Big Ten. So currently right at the top of the, the Big Ten standings where we expected them, maybe just with a few other different teams than maybe we had expected them to be with. But nonetheless, the, our Indiana women are doing what they need to do, and they just keep winning, and that's what we love to see. But as usual, we will start this show with our Hoosier Proud Banner moment. And Jeff, for me, I'm going to kind of go with um, right towards the end, I think happened the banner moment for me with 41.2 seconds left in the game. Yard, uh, Coach Morin takes a timeout and gets the team together. They start to come back out on the court and then promptly turns around and takes a second timeout. So I'm not sure if she just didn't like what she had seen from Illinois coming out on the court or she changed her mind or what happens, but whatever it is, it was good for us because then they came back in and Yarden went in and they drew up a play for her. She got a three-pointer and she, um, made that three-pointer, making it 67 to 71. And then immediately after that, um, she came down and was fouled on a defensive rebound and had two more free throws, putting us up 67 to 73. And that was pretty close to the final score of the game. And to me, I think that really solidified, you know, the team coming out right out of that halftime, excuse me, right after that timeout, being very hyper-focused. And especially after the way that the third quarter in particular defensively started, um, I, I think we really needed that jolt from Yarden. And, you know, she would end up having, um, excuse me, I lost my, my thing. She ended up with 12 points and five of them were in that, that, you know, 10 second stretch there in that time. And, you know, it's just another example of Yarden coming up clutch and, you know, how our players know the role on the team. And in this case, Yarden came out and kind of solidified that for, for us down the stretch. So for me, that was our banner moments. And as always, our banner moment, it's brought to you by Homefield Apparel. They're the presenting sponsor of the Back Home Network, who includes Assembly Call and Crimson Cast. Homefield is constantly releasing new schools or updating their products for schools in their existing line. So you are bound to find something for you or anyone in your life that just loves great collegiate gear. Not only do you get great apparel, but you're supporting an Indiana-based business that has its roots in the Kelly School of Business. So go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME23 for 15% off your entire first order. Again, that promo code is HOME23 for 15% off. And the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. So let's start with a few news headlines um, that we've had. 
So first, the 30 points that McKenzie Holmes scored was the fifth time in her career that she had had a game with 30 or more points. And for Indiana, this is the third straight game that Indiana has had a 30-point scorer. And the fun thing, I think, about that um, news headline is it's three different players that did it in three different games. The other thing that was very exciting to see is as we were hoping and predicting as our attendance has started to go up, now the Big Ten play has started, and the attendance we had on um, – on that Sunday was 11,600, the largest crowd so far this year and the fifth largest in school history. And last, IU has announced that uh, the February 22nd home game versus Iowa is now a sellout. And not only just the game, but the prepaid parking is also a sellout. Um, so any free free parking will come now on a first-come, first-served um, basis. So if you're planning on going to the game, get there early and get your parking spot. Um, so Jeff, I'm going to kick it over to you though, for your Marlowe's musing. What's on your mind tonight? Yeah, I, excuse me. I, I think it was, you know, I actually, we went to the game, we, the family went and, and kind of made it our new year's Eve day thing to, to go to the game and enjoy the game. And it was really a good game. It was really kind of frustrating at times too, though, because I, you would pull out to a double digit lead and then Illinois would show why we thought maybe they were one of the five best teams in the league, but here they are setting it 0 and 3, you know, after, or, you know, excuse me, 0 and 2 after the first two games in Big Ten play. Um, with that, it, it just, you know, I just, it just was, you know, it was like, okay, let's put them away. Let's put them away. And then Illinois would make a run. In fact, got it back to where it was actually tied in the fourth quarter and such. And the only thing about that banner moment, Kathy, I, I totally agree with Yarden, you know, making the clutch play there. I'm not sure that's exactly what they designed. I think, you know, Chloe drove the baseline hard. And I think the idea was to try and get Chloe to the rim, but they cut it off pretty well. And Chloe made a nice adjustment on it and kicked it out to Yarden. And from we were we were seeing at the at the other end, you could tell that she had her feet set and we were able to see the the the, the trajectory and everything. And you just tell it was looked like it was going in all the way and it kind of rattled in a little bit, kind of hit the rim, kind of rolled back to the board and went in. But yeah, it, it was nice to see yard and step up. Cause that's one of the questions we've kind of had, who is that person going to be in that situation um, from that standpoint? And I think coach Moran learned a little bit about that, who that is on her team. It's, it's definitely going to be um, uh, yard in a situation like that. But I also think it tells us that she trusted Chloe to make the right play. And, and in a game, it, and we're probably not going to talk about Chloe a ton because, but I thought Chloe played really well, but it was, you know, kind of an anomaly for Chloe. She had more turnovers than she had assists. I can't remember the last time that happened for Chloe Moore McNeil to have that. But overall, I thought the, I thought they looked better. I thought the team, I thought the defense was more, was again, looked better. Uh, and, and just like it's building. Um, I felt like the passing, especially to Mac on time was better. And so you could really start to see, even in a six point win, you could see some of the things that coach Moore has been harping on and, and post-game press conferences. And I'm sure been harping on practice starting to kind of take fruition, but I'm sure we're also going to talk about some of the notable numbers about some players that didn't have great games. And I just think that, you know, in the big 10, you got to have a little bit more balance. You know, we got away with it on, on Sunday, but I just think we get, we need a little better balance, especially from the players that were starting. Um, and again, I think we'll talk more about, I'll save some of that for the notable numbers. All right. Sounds good. Well, Jeff, let's just go ahead and jump into it today. Um, let's talk about some pivotal plays. And um, <clears throat> since you're already kind of on a roll here with uh, your thoughts on the play, uh, what else of uh, the game, what else do you have down for any um, specific plays that you have? 
I'm going to go back into the first half, Kathy, in the first, in the second quarter. Uh, I was actually taking some notes while I was at the game, um, and and kind of had to go back and 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 tweak it a little bit. But um, two seventeen to go in the first half, second quarter. Mac made a three point play, made the score 34 23. We were up 11. And I think everybody was starting to feel pretty good about that, you know, a, a pivotal play. But at the end of the half, and this is the pivotal play I was really wanting to get into, Chloe, and I'm not saying Chloe per se did anything wrong, but the shot clock was off. The, the clock's winding down in the half. You really want the last shot there. You don't want to give the other team an opportunity to get another chance at the other end. And so Chloe went a little quick. She got fouled and she hit mm-hmm. one of the two free throws that made it 37, 30, excuse me, 37, 28 at that point, a nine point lead, but she missed the second one. Illinois outlets it really quickly to Genesis Bryant, who goes down and hits a three at the buzzer. So that three pointer by Illinois just seems so huge at the time because it gave them for what I feel like kind of the first time, some momentum in that first half going in, I was kind of like, Hmm, the second half may get interesting just because now there's a, there's a huge difference between a nine point lead and mm-hmm. a six lead or whatever. So, but that, that pivotal play right there, which it didn't come back to get us, but I just thought that was something that you want to try. Maybe I, I would not be shocked if coach Morin and the staff talked a little bit about that on, yeah. on Monday and Tuesday and practice about, Hey, we, we like the idea of what you did. It just needs to be a little bit later. So we don't give up an opportunity at the other end. Yeah. What about absolutely. what you got? Yeah, um, I, I don't know. It's not actually a play, but um, just something to, to point out. Um, I thought our defense was actually pretty good. You know, we held Illinois to, to 71, which was below their average again for the year. But in particular in the first half, I thought on um, – Makira Cook, we were really fantastic. She didn't score at all in the first half. Now, Cook would go on and end up scoring 24 in the second half. But in that first half in particular, I thought the defense on Cook was just um, stellar. And I'm quite sure if, um, and again, you can fact check me, Chloe Moore McNeil was doing most of the goring score, or excuse me, the defense the defensive work on cook that first half, Mm -hmm. um, which I think there was a lot being asked of Chloe Moore McNeil, um, you know, as a senior in, all season, but I think in this game, it really kind of showed up a little bit in her statistics to your point with the turnovers. You know, one of the things we've been hearing quite a bit is, you know, coach Morin and very publicly saying how she wants Chloe to be more aggressive offensively. And, you know, now she's already being offensively, defensively aggressive. She's being the floor general and to, to add in the, the scoring part, I think it might've negatively affected a little bit of her game with the turnovers. I think she looked a little bit, you know, rushed at times but for the most part overall i thought chloe's game was really pretty good mm-hmm. um and to me that defensive effort in that first half in particular on, on cook was an example of that for her yeah i thought they again i really thought overall except for that last little segment you know that last couple of minutes i thought the defense in the first half was really really good um yeah. from that standpoint for me and then i'm going to jump into the fourth quarter here and yeah. and i'm going to go to about the three minute mark there was a defensive segment uh, and I forgot to look. I think I can pull it up here real quick. Um, the, I'm trying to remember exactly what the score was. And yeah, it was, whoops, not the right quarter. Uh, yeah, we had just taken the lead 63-60 on a uh, on free throws by McKenzie. So we were just up mm-hmm. three by, yeah. and then they, we came down on the defensive end and we had a really good defensive segment where Mac had a block. And then while the ball was getting, you know, was, was Illinois got it back trying to go to the basket and Sydney, uh, Sydney Parrish was able to reach in, grab the ball, force a jump ball. 
and I think gave us the possession. But I thought that segment in a game where we'd had the lead, lost it, now finally got the back to a three-point lead and felt like a little bit of comfort. What a big defensive possession. Because I thought that really set the tone for the last three minutes of the game. Yeah, I, I remember that and um, absolutely agree. And again, I think, you know, overall, except for a stretch in the third quarter, I, I really had no problem with our defense um, <clears throat> that the team played. Um, so one one thing I did want to point out, and again, I don't know if it was a, a notable, a pivotal play or not, but to me, it was something that I thought was good to write down and, and sort of talk about it was also in that fourth quarter where Illinois had tied it up. It was 54 to 54. And, you know, Sarah had really been struggling offensively in terms of scoring. Um, and I'm sure we can talk about that a little bit more in depth. But one of the things Coach Morin talked about in her post-game press conference was this was a teaching moment where they really were emphasizing where to Sarah and to Sydney for that matter, that it wasn't coming to them offensively, but there were other ways they can impact the game. And in this case, I thought Sarah did. So at 7:42, you know, Sarah drove and she really um wasn't trying to force her shot. Instead, she found Mac down low, um, who would go up for two to finally get us that lead back at 54-56. And to me, that was where I thought play from Sarah because she wasn't pressing. She wasn't trying to do more than what was coming to her. And she took what was coming to her in the game, which in this case was getting the ball to McKenzie, who really offensively was on fire, I thought, on on Sunday. So to me, I, I think that was a pivotal play because it gave us the lead back and, uh, again, highlighted to me what Sarah was doing, which was what the coaches were telling her to do, which was to focus maybe on some of the other aspects of the game where you can impact things um, besides shooting, which is what you know we've been kind of coming to know for Sarah. Yeah, and I'll go back to another <laughs> one. You talked about the blob, the baseline outbounds play that we set up for – for Yarden, actually, I think actually came off a sideline set, uh, a sideline outbounds because you and that was interesting that that that, that Coach Moore took those timeouts back to back like that. A lot of us in the crowd were kind of like, "What? You know, what, what's going yeah, on?" Yeah, we so, were at home too, <laughs> and I'm not sure exactly what she if whether if because usually in a situation like that on the sideline outbounds with that much time, you're not necessarily thinking, "Oh, I'm really concerned about what the defense is showing." So whether she. And sometimes you'll get this, and I think it may happen in the college game too. Is sometimes kids see it on the board, and then you know when they're drawing it up, but when they go out on the floor, they don't get to the right spot. And so I wonder if maybe that had something to do with it. But anyway, I'm gonna go back to mine. This is just a little bit earlier in that fourth in, in that fourth quarter with uh, 106 to go. IU had the ball out under their own basket, baseline out of bounds, and they ran a really nice set to get McKenzie a shot inside. She hit it. She got fouled. Made the th- made the free throw and put them up back up. It was tied 65-65. That put us back up 68-65. So I thought Terry Morin, just by your comment earlier on the banner moment, Terry Morin had a very good day drawing up stuff on the yeah. out-of-bounds stuff. Yeah, I thought and all the, the coaching was just um, really good, really, to be honest, on both sides of the court. I thought Illinois, um, I thought Shauna Green coached a nice job as well, too. You know, she made some good halftime adjustments. As I noted, you know, Cook had nothing in the first half and came out and was able to score 24 in the second half. And, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, and Illinois just looked like they came out on fire and after that halftime and really took it to us. And they weren't, you know, again, going to be afraid of the, the loud – the loud crowd, the large crowd, or being in assembly hall. And um, they really gave us some struggle um, for us where we had to adjust defensively, which to your point, I think we did that as well going down the end. So I I thought the coaching on both sides um, was, was really kind of fun to watch too. I agree. Uh, 
any other plays, Jeff, or you want to jump into some numbers? Let's hit the numbers. Yeah, let's do it. So um, why don't you go first and um, let's see what you got for us to kick us off. Well, the, I'll try to stay away from the uh, the individuals here, but I okay. will jump to one that we talked about in the preview for this game. And that was Illinois was shooting the ball pretty well overall, but they were struggling from the three-point line. And and we saw this in some of the individuals. Um, you know, Like you said, Makira Cook ended up with 24 but she really struggled. Uh, she only shot three threes, but the overall as a team, Illinois was two for 10. And yeah. I, I think you're kind of seeing where their struggles are in some of these close games they're losing the better competition is again, I'm not saying it has to all be threes, but it's just, you got to kind of make enough to put pressure on the other team. And, and, and sometimes you just need a three to give you momentum or to be a backbreaker. And right now they're just really struggling to shoot the ball from three. Uh, but that was something we pointed out in the preview that we thought that that was going to be a key part of the game. Could we keep them from erupting and having a really good game? Um, Genesis Bryant only shot two, two threes for the game, but she was four for 11 overall. It, it just You just kind of feel like right now Illinois is – is that team that's really struggling to find and kind of some, maybe a little bit of the pressure of expectations has gotten to them. But I thought that was notable 20% from the three point line that we, you know, sometimes a little luck involved, but we held them to 20%. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, even with Sarah having an off night shooting over three, um, from three point land, we still ended up five of 13, which, you know, was 38% on, on the flip side of that. So we still, you know, outscored them in three pointers as well. Um, a number we've also been kind of watching here with this team is rebounding. It's something we hear as well from coach Morin and her press conferences and things. And again, this was another case where we got out rebounded 35 to 30. Um, you know, we ended up allowing, um, <clears throat> excuse me, 11 offensive rebounds for mm. Illinois to only four for us. And, you know, while we shot 52% from the field, I still think there were some opportunities we could have gotten a few more rebounds on both ends of the floor. So that's still something that I really um, think we need to keep an eye on with this team because, yeah, we were able to, to pull this game out by six points in the end. But I think that's going to come back to haunt us if we keep continuing to give up that many offensive rebounds. In this case, it led to 10 second chance points for, for Illinois. Yeah, and especially in the couple games we have coming up, both those teams are very good rebounding teams, at least in rebounding margin so far. So yeah. I think that's a good number. And you mentioned that, Kathy. Illinois won the battle in second chance points, 10 to 7, but Indiana won the points in the paint, 44 36. So it did even out a little bit. But, yeah. I, I, but I agree. The thing that the big concern there, if they won 35 30, you wouldn't say too much. It's the 11 offensive rebounds. And that, right. that's, that's got to be the big concern um, as you look at, you look at the numbers and dive a little deeper into it. The other number I wanted to point out is that this was something we even talked about in the preview that I, and I kind of put you on the, on the uh, buy or sell uh, on our last episode about free throw shooting. Well, maybe yeah. they were listening to us because our free throw percentage on Sunday was 18 for 22, 82%. Yep. So um, a much better day at the free throw line. And again, we talked a little bit about this team has to be more consistent at the free throw line because in some of these tight games, free throws are easy points and they can be make or break. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> any other team numbers, Jeff? I had one other one, if you don't. Go ahead. No, I got, I don't have anything else. <clears throat> All right. My other team number really was eight to nine and that is bench points. You know, it's something um, we ended up winning this time by one, but one I'll take because nine points off of our bench was, you know, 
it may not sound like a lot, but to me, I thought that was a really great step forward for this team, especially from the bench. And eight of those came from Lily Meister. And I thought, you know, Lily played 10 minutes. She was four or four from her, from field goal range. And um, I thought she came in and gave some really good minutes off the bench. I know there was one of those um, baskets that she made, uh, and I already saw it in the chat from Eagle Eye, but I had said almost the exact same thing to my husband as we were watching the game, was her footwork was really great. And I said, you clearly can see she's been working with McKenzie because I thought she came in and gave us some nice minutes off the bench, um, as well as um, Lexi Vargas or White. She only had one, one point, but she had 10 minutes as well off the bench. And so I... While it's maybe not to the degree that we may want in terms of, you know, bench strength, but we did have four people come in off of the bench and provide us, I thought, some pretty decent minutes mm -hmm. between those four people. Yeah, but I maybe I'll make the comment that maybe Mac needs to start working with Lily a little bit because Mac still had five turnovers yes. on Sunday. So and a couple of those were travels with the happy feet as well. So yeah. uh, I'm going to save my comments for Lily for a little bit later because I got a feeling we're going to talk about her a little bit more when we get to down the line here in the podcast. I do want to point out and go, I know this isn't an IU number. I do want to point out a kid, you know, an Indiana kid that at least I saw play a lot going up and when I was coaching here and, and as I was get, first got out of coaching, you know, Kendall Bostick, we mentioned being an Indiana kid. Northwestern High School just outside of Kokomo. Bostic mm -hmm. had 18 points, 11 rebounds. So it's always nice, you know, and especially when we still get the win, to see an Indiana player come back and have a nice game at a Simon Scott Assembly Hall. And also, I didn't put this in the pivotal place, but there was a really nice moment after the game ended, almost really right after, before they even got to the handshake line, where yep. Sydney Parrish and Kendall Bostic found I each other, one. hugged each other. Oh, did they catch that on TV? Yeah. They okay, did. well, that's, yeah, that's great because those are two. Great. Those are two. I'm not exactly sure of the history, but I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't play some AAU ball growing up. But Kokomo, or, you know, Northwestern, Hamilton Southeastern had some battles. Um, you know, so they, you know, there's you know, some just a, a really you could tell there was a connection between the two. I thought that was really neat to see after the game. I didn't realize they had it. They they were able to capture that on the TV. Yeah, just before they cut away. Yeah, they, it was really it was fun to see that too. Yeah. So, but I don't have any other notable numbers. No, the only last one I think we would be remiss in not mentioning is turnovers. We ended up with 16 turnovers um, that led to 17 points for Illinois as well. Um, and so, you know, again, that's not where the team is, you know, aiming for. They're really wanting to be around that 11 or 12 mark. And to your point, um, McKenzie Holmes had five, but we had also had four from Sarah and four from Chloe McNeil. So I, it would be nice if each of those, you know, players can get it down one or two. Um, to keep it to three or less, I think that will get us right to our, our 11 or 12 um, that they're really targeting. So I just wanted to point that last number out. But um, well, with that, we can talk some more individual numbers as we get into our awards part. So let's talk game ball. I think this one might actually go pretty quickly, so, um, <laughs> or at least easily. Um, we may have some discussion here coming up. I have a feeling on the hardest workers. So um, let's talk about your game ball. Who do you give? Uh, I'm actually, before we get your vote, let me recap. Um, for those of you watching on YouTube, you can see the scroll. But for those of you who are not um, right now, our game ball stands at four for Mackenzie Holmes, three for Yarden Garzon, three for Sarah Scalia, and one for um, Sydney Parrish. So, okay, Jeff, who do you got? Uh, I'm going to, I'm going with the obvious here, Mackenzie Holmes, even though we, we mentioned the five turnovers, you look at the overall body of work, it may, and again, this is hard to say sometimes and feel like you're, you're not hyperbole or being sarcastic, but I really felt might've been Mac's best game of the year so far, 30 points. Uh, she was 10 of 14 from the field, 10 of 12 at the free throw line, um, seven rebounds. 
two assists, two blocks, two steals. So she really was staff. Uh, she was really stuffing the stat sheet on Sunday. So I, I don't think there's any way. And 31 minutes. She didn't play. You know, they were able right. to get some get her some time off the floor and still, you know, keep the lead for the most part and have it and have have a good feeling where the game was going. So I'm I think to me, the obvious one here is McKenzie. Yep. I, I, that'll make this pretty easy um, if, as well. Cause uh, yeah, McKenzie for me as well. I thought that was one of her better games this year, for sure. If not the the best one she's had so far, again, only blemish is the turnovers, um, which again, I, I, you know, we saw that from her, her junior year. So it, we know she knows it's there. So I still have faith that she'll, mm-hmm. she'll get that cleaned up. Oh, Hey, by the way, real quick, we should, well, I'll wait for you to get to the next segment. Okay. All right. Well, moving on to our Grace Burger Hardest Worker. Um, so Jeff is putting up the, the scroller here. We got Sydney Parrish and Mackenzie Holmes, each with three. Lexi Bargesser with two. Lene Beaumont, um, Lily Meister, and Chloe Moore McNeil each have one so far this year. And Jeff, I've already asked for some votes in our, our, um, our chat here because I have a feeling we're going to go in uh, different directions here. So why don't you go first? So, although I think I know who you're going to vote for. Um. Yeah, I may give it away. But by the way, kudos for people who didn't get a chance to see the game. Grace Berger was in the house on Sunday. They, yeah. they presented her with their Big Ten championship ring. They had a little video uh, montage on the entry before they introduced her to the crowd. Um, we didn't stick around after game. I really would have liked to have stuck around a little longer, maybe try to get down to the floor and see if I could meet up with Grace and a couple of the kids, you know, players afterwards. We didn't, you know, we were kind of worried about the the weather. They were talking about getting some ice up here in Northwest Indiana, and we wanted to get home before the crazies were out on the road on New Year's Eve. So we didn't really stick around. But but Grace was in the house, and I think that was her first time back to Simon Scott Assembly Hall since she had yeah. graduated. So, um, but so it was neat to see that. You know, and you could just tell the way the players kind of reacted as well to it. Uh, I'm going to go with Lily. I, I, again, I know there's arguments to be made for others, but I thought the 11 minutes that Lily provided the eight points, the two rebounds, the two steals, I really felt that Lily provided that spark and it was limited minutes, but you didn't feel like we were missing anything when Lily was on the floor. And again, I think Lily probably had her overall best game on Sunday and hope we continue to build on that. I think we saw as about as close to last year's Lily on Sunday, maybe better, but it was more reminiscent of last year than kind of her first few games this year. So I'm going to go with Lily Meister. Yep. Um, so we're going to look to see the chat map can, can break her tie for me. Chloe Morgan McNeil is my hardest worker of the game. You know, she ended up with her best by far offensive um, <clears throat> output. And I know that's not always the, the criteria we're looking at for this, but she had 19 points on seven 11 shooting three or four from the free throw line. She got two, three from three point land. She added in a couple rebounds while her assists were a little bit down for her. When you're scoring 19 points on your own, you don't really have to assist as much. Um, so three assists. Her only blemish, kind of similar to McKenzie, was the the turnovers, which, again, she had four. Um, but, you know, it wasn't just the offensive numbers that she put up for me. It was also the defensive end. Like I mentioned on the, you know, first half, she kept cooked to, to zero points. And then she's asking, you know, being asked to, to really lead the floor in terms of point guard ability and being asked to be more aggressive. I wasn't real surprised with the turnover. So for me, I thought Chloe just had it on both ends of the floor. And she really looked to me um, from the beginning to be more aggressive looking for her shots. So um, for me, I um, am voting for Chloe on this one. So let's well, see what the, we the, the workaholics, I think, are going to agree with you because I haven't seen anybody except Chloe Moore McNeil mentioned by the workaholics. Yep. So, yes. 
All right. Well, we'll give that to Chloe then. So I believe now that gives us her um, second hardest worker of the the Greaseburger Hardest Worker Award. So um, in a row, actually. Um, so Jeff, um, we're, since we're kind of trying to wrap this up here a little earlier than what we normally would do, do you have any other overall thoughts on the Illinois game before we talk about what's coming up? Yeah, I real quick, I do think we've mentioned her kind of in, in, in passing, but I do want to point out Sydney Parrish did not shoot the ball very well. And you mentioned this a little while, a little bit ago, but seven rebounds, two assists and a steal. So I thought Sydney had a fairly solid game. And you look at especially one of the things I always look at with Sydney is fouls. She only had two fouls, you know, so that means she's staying on the floor as much as possible. You know, she's not getting in foul trouble and having to go to the, you know, kind of the auto bench routine. So I, I do think we need to shout out to, you know, especially the seven assists or excuse me, seven, seven rebounds, two assists and the steal by, by Sydney Parrish. Yes. Oh, um, one thing too, Quang just pointed out in the chat that we didn't talk on is that we played Lily and McKenzie at the same time, which yes. has not happened before, which was an interesting look. And coach was, uh, coach Morn was asked about that in the post game press conference. And she had said, you know, it was part of because Illinois went bigger. She mm -hmm. was doing it because of matchups. We've seen that before, but she said they practiced that before and they wanted to try that that lineup and have those two in there together. And I thought they actually played really nicely together, mm -hmm. Jeff. So I don't know what it was like there in person. Yeah. It wasn't real long, but it is something coach said that um, she'd like to see us do more often when the matchups present themselves. Yeah. We noticed it. I noticed it right away when they left Lily or I can't remember who came in, who went out, yeah. but, but whoever yeah. was on, but when they both stay on the floor, I was kind of like in my head, I may have not said it out loud to my family, but it was, you know, kind of like, that's interesting. But yeah. I, 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 the first thing I thought was Illinois had gone a little bit bigger. They had gone with two good sized post players at that point. So I thought they were really just trying to make the matchup. Cause even, even though Sydney does a nice job of guarding some post players, it really would have been a mismatch on uh, for her a little bit. So I thought that was a, I thought that was why they did it, but I'd like to see a little more of it. I'm not saying I'm looking for yeah, 20 minutes, of it, but I would love to see three, you know, two, three, four <clears> minutes <throat> of it a game. Yeah, me too. I, I thought it was really good. You know, Lily, especially I thought was setting some really fantastic screens for McKenzie to get her open down there. So um, it was nice to see that. So, well, Jeff, why don't we go ahead and talk about our upcoming game that we have um, coming up, <clears throat> which is against Michigan. Uh, this game will be tomorrow night, January 4th. The game tips off at 7 Eastern, 6 Central. It will be on the Big Ten Network, Big Ten regular, um, not Big Ten Plus. Um, Michigan is currently number 36 in the net. Um, in terms of the overall series, IU leads the all-time series 48 to 29, including 26 to 8 at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. This game will be at home home again in Bloomington. So this will end their nice long home home stretch that they've had before they have to go on the road. Um, but this one will be at home. Um, from a terms of last year, Indiana won both of those matchups, 65-61 at home and then 92 to 83 on the road. And in the last 10, Indiana is um, six and four against Michigan. Um, so Jeff, you want to talk a little bit about um, Michigan's record and a little bit about their team stats? Oh, we can't hear you. You might have muted yourself. 
Sorry, I did. I, I muted myself because the puppy was barking in the background. Um, but anyway, this is one of those that you might surprise a lot of fans when you look at that IU leads, how much IU leads the series here. Because no offense to the program, but this was not a dominant women's basketball program for a big chunk of the 90s and 2000s. And so to have a plus 19 advantage over Michigan is a little – I remember as I was typing that into the rem sheet, I'm like, wow, I – I'd forgotten we were up this much, um, but it's been much more competitive over the last 10. Uh, if you go back to last year's game at home, if you remember correctly, that was a game where Maddie Nolan, Indiana kid, kind of got in and got into yep. the crowd skin a little bit. And, and it was really, but a feisty game. Michigan was still pretty solid and had lost Nas Hillman. But other than that, they were still pretty good. And so there was a, it was a pretty Pretty physical, pretty chippy game. I don't think we'll see that this time around. Maddie Nolan has transferred out. In fact, if you get a chance, I think she's playing at Colorado right now uh, for a pretty good Colorado team. Um, yeah. So, but so Michigan right now, 11 and 3, 2 and 0 in the Big Ten. Now, here's where it gets interesting with Michigan. The, their losses are to Ole Miss, 60 to 49 in the Bahamas, uh, but Ole Miss is number 62 in the net. They lost at Toledo. Kudos to them for going on the road to a mid-major. Give them – I'll give right. them credit for that. To that go was a true road game too, yeah, right? I mean, true road game. Not in a neutral site, yeah? No, okay. at Toledo. Uh, but Toledo's number 85 in the net. They lost that game 69-46. They lost to Florida in the Jumpman Invitational down in Charlotte, 82-65. They're number 43. So their losses aren't like they've lost to top 10 teams in the net, top 15. So you're kind of like, eh. But yeah. they defeated – Go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say the surprising thing too is that those losses weren't even close losses. No. You know, 60 to 49, 69 46 and 82 65. Right. That yeah. that was the more surprising thing, not necessarily that they lost them but by the margin, but yeah, go ahead with the wins. But then they've beat Illinois on the road by 36, all right? They beat Ohio State in Ann Arbor. Now, Again, it's a good win because Ohio State was is number 17 in the net and you beat them by nine, but it was at home. So I'm not totally shocked by that outcome, even though I'm still the belief that Ohio State is going to be a team you got to deal with at the end of the year. Um, but they beat Middle Tennessee, who's number 59 and right now is projected in the, the bracketology is now my qualifier for that. They beat them by 14. And then they actually also went to Harvard. And played a true road game at Harvard and won. But again, doesn't sound big, but Harvard's number 70 in the net. They're no, they're not, they're not an easy game on the road. So it's really kind of where are they? But right now, I think that to a large degree, you look at the individuals we're going to talk about here in a few minutes. I think sometimes this is one of those teams where the whole is much better than the individual parts. You know, together they're really they're playing pretty well. Uh they're averaging 73, 72.9 per game, which is 10th in the league. So they're not a high-scoring team. If you people have to watch, happen to watch Iowa, Michigan State last night, that was some fast-paced action, and, and you know, and, and it was probably not quite what you're going to get from Michigan. But they're only allowing 55.2. That's first in the league. They're right now. They're first defensively. They're shooting 43.3 percent on field goals, tenth in the league. But they're shooting 37 percent on threes. That's third, and they shoot 21 threes a game. Now. They average 15.7 turnovers, but they force 18.9. So that differential makes them fifth in the league, and they're plus 10.7 in rebounding margin. They're plus 10.7. That's third in the league. Now, I think that number will come down throughout league play, but this is a team that we have got to keep off the glass. 
Right. Yeah. And I know Jeff, you put some IU by the numbers in here. So just to kind of contrast that for, for everyone, we're scoring around 80 points per game and only allowing 57 points per game. So defensively, actually Michigan's ahead of us right now in terms of points allowed at um, by, not by much, but by two, but yeah, the bigger concern for me is the rebounding, you know, a 4.3 rebounding margin for us um, compared to their 10.7. Um, that number in particular has a lot of concerns for me as well. So um, that's the biggest thing I think we need to be, in my opinion, watching for. And then, of course, the turnovers again. Those have been the two kind of Achilles heels for this this team, I think, this year um, in terms of, you know, where they're maybe a little bit behind where we might want them to see rebounding and turnovers. Um, how about at an overall level, or do you want to talk a little bit about their some of their um, talented players that we should keep an eye on? Yeah, they're really right now. There's two that we want to keep an eye on. Their 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 returner is Layla Filia, six foot junior guard. She's averaging just at just above 15 points a game. That's 13th in the league. She averages 3.4 rebounds, almost two assists. Uh, we'll call it one steal a game. She's shooting 37% from the field, which is 20th in the league. I was a little surprised by that, that 37% would still be good enough for 20th. Uh, but she's always shooting 32% from beyond the arc. So this may be one where you really try to make her a shooter, try to take away the drive on her. And then she's averaging 79% at the free throw line, which is ninth in the league. Uh, she was second team all Big Ten last year. She was on the all-freshman team the year before that. Then the other player to keep an eye on, at least so far overall, is Lauren Hansen, 5'9", uh, guard, graduate guard. She played three years at Mizzou and one year at Auburn. So this should be her last year of eligibility here at Michigan. She's averaging just over just 11.6 a game, just over two rebounds a game, two and a half assists, just over one, one steal, 44.5% field goals, 36% on threes. 86 percent the free throw line now uh, the field goal the threes and the free throws should be enough to have her in the in the leadership but she must not be meeting the the minimum number of shots because she wasn't listed on the big 10 website and then the other one to keep an eye on and her overall stats don't wow you but in big 10 play she's actually played pretty well um, her average is up around 16 points a game that's jordan hobbs a 6-3 junior guard she averages nine points a game but again, that's overall in a big 10 play so far. The first two games, she's averaging about 16, um, four rebounds, excuse me, two assists, 45% on field goals, 44% on threes. Now it's limited. She's not shooting a ton of them, but she is a pretty good shooter from beyond the arc and 78% of the line. So those, the first two, Philia, especially yeah. Hanson yeah. and then Hobbs are the ones you want to keep an eye on. Yeah, for sure. Philia put up 26 when they beat Ohio State. Again, realizing that's at home, this one will not be. So hopefully we have a nice um, raucous crowd coming into Simply Hall. But um, yeah, I think Philia is the one to kind of watch. I think um, Hobbs will be interesting since she is really picking it up here in Big Ten play. Um, but uh yeah, I, I think again, uh, just in general, the the team rebounding is the one that most yeah. concerns me, but um, and is my key to the game. I think um, for tomorrow, any other keys, Jeff, that you think we should be watching for? I'll be the coach here. Turnovers. We you, yeah. we can't turn it over nineteen times against them. That's and that's yep. basically what they're forcing. They're forcing. Uh, what do we say? I, I know I said the number. I just don't remember right off the top of my head, but they're they're forcing eight, almost 19 turnovers a game, 18.9. We can't yeah. turn it over 19 times against them at home. 
we have got to be and even you know even 16 is too many that number like you said has to be down around 12 or 13. i imagine the pace will be very similar to what it was in the illinois game yeah but i think slower. yeah i don't think you're going to see like i said we're going to talk in a couple minutes here but it's just uh, but it's every i think it's going to be one of those games where you got to value the ball and so like you said rebounding and turnovers kind of co classic coach speak yeah. Um, real quick, Jeff, before we go around and talk about other Big Ten games this um, week, um, I had another request to update everyone on the mm -hmm. um, Tyra Bus catch catch watch. I don't McKenzie watch. I don't know what we're we're trying to call it now. Let's call it McKenzie Mac watch. watch. The Mac watch. Okay. So Mac watch, here we go. So in, with her 30 points that she put up, she has now a total of 2,130 points. That is 234 points to take over first place as all time leading scorer with the number of games that we have left just regular season on the schedule. She needs to average 14.6 points per game. Um, the other number where she can move up a little bit is in rebounding. She's currently um, seventh in Big Ten, or excuse me, in all-time rebounding, but she's only seven, 17 rebounds behind moving into sixth place there. So I think she'll move up a little bit. There's a um, pretty slim chance that she'll be able to take over first there, but I think she could potentially move into the top five. So there you go. She keeps their average around 14.6 points per game again, and that's only for regular season. So she's well on pace to be able to take over that first place spot. I, okay. Awesome. Um, moving on, we are, have a, another a little segment that we're adding in here called Around the Big Ten. Um, so for those of you who might have missed it last night on Tuesday, Michigan State came into Iowa um, and played uh, Iowa last night and ended up uh, just barely losing to Iowa. 73 to 76. Um, and that was on another um, last second um, shot from Caitlin Clark. So with, I think, 0.3 seconds left to go. So um, 73, 76, Michigan State barely um, lost that game to Iowa. And again, that was in Iowa City. Um, you know, we don't have time to really get into a whole lot of Michigan State. I was able to watch a good chunk of that game. And I know, Jeff, I think you watched quite a bit, if not all of it. But mm -hmm. Michigan State and Iowa play fast. Um, so they were a bit sloppy with the ball, I think, on both ends. But you could tell they were really trying to push the pace in this play, in this game. The other thing that noted to me, I think what is surprising a lot of us with Michigan State, um, that maybe we shouldn't have overlooked is the fact that they have a lot of people that came back and you can tell they've played together for a while. Um, they seem to really have a lot of good seniority on their team, but um, anything that you'd want to point out quickly on that game before we talk about the one other big 10 game going on. Well, I just think that it tells us more about Michigan state than Iowa. I mean, we know Iowa is going to be good. We know Caitlin Clark's going to make plays, but I think there are yeah. a lot of people who are kind of, well, just how good is Michigan state and yeah. Washington really last night, they're going to play a style that's going to frustrate some teams. And especially when you have to go to East Lansing and there, you know, there is some veterans there, Kathy, but some of those are transferred in. Um, and, yeah. and, and, and the, and the A-Roll A A girl, I believe, was hurt for a big chunk of last year. So she's, okay. she's back from Michigan State, but I think she missed a big chunk of last year. So there's just some things. And, you know, you and I and, and some others have had the conversation about, oh, Michigan State's really not going to be that good. It's smoke and mirrors. But you got a new coach who came in from Bowling Green, and they're playing a much different style than they yeah. played in the past. And I just think that I don't think you overlook them. I'm not saying they're going to win the league. I'm not saying they're going to finish in the top four of the league. 
but this is not a team that's going to finish ninth or 10th either. And, and so, you know, they're right. going to be a they're tough place. Problems. Yeah. They're going to cause some problems. So I just think that it tells you more about them than it did about Iowa. And then I'll quickly take this one. Just and the yeah. reason we want to talk about the Michigan state Iowa game was it just, even though Michigan state lost, all right. It does put them now with two losses in the Big Ten. You know, they they you know it was their third game. They lost their their opener, and then they lost last night. But it was a big game because had they gone in there and beat Iowa, they really could have thrown the league into a little bit of a tizzy. They you know because Ohio State would already have a league loss, and mm-hmm. and and that would have left Maryland. IU as Maryland. Yeah. Everybody else has lost. Then you got Maryland and Minnesota playing tonight, both one and one coming into that game. And what really do we know about Minnesota yet? They lost at Iowa. No shame in that. Beat, yeah. But only beat Purdue by two at home. So what? What is Minnesota? And they're getting some bracketology stuff. And but right now Maryland's up at the half, forty three thirty six in Minneapolis. So the reason I, you know, and I'll be honest with our listeners, I kind of put this segment in here just because I thought it'd be interesting to look at some of the other games outside of Indiana games. They're having impact on the league, and I think you're going to find out a little bit more about some of these teams as as we head toward them. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I kind of alluded to that at the beginning of the show when I said, oh, well, Indiana's, you know, 2-0 and in the Big Ten right now, and they're right at the top where we expected them, but with different players than we expected, you know. So Iowa is um, 3-0. They're a half a game in first place. And then here we are tied in second, which is not surprising, but we're tied with Michigan and Nebraska, who we didn't really talk about either one of those two teams being as, you know, a top four team. Now, again, Early on, most of the teams have only played two games at this point, a few with um, three under their belts. But, you know, surprising um, for me, Illinois at 0-2, sitting down at the bottom down there. Yep. Um, Ohio State losing that game at 1-1 and, and Maryland. And, you know, even even Michigan, even though they're 2-0, and confusing with their non-conference, I don't know what to make of them yet. You know, their they're, um, games – they beat Ohio State, but then they they lost some of those double digits. So I'm still not quite sure where to put them. So I think we'll learn about Michigan a lot, as well as ourselves tomorrow when we play them there at home. Um, any other thoughts around the Big Ten, Jeff? Or do you want to wrap up uh, this with your final thoughts? No, I'm good with the Big Ten. All right. Yeah. So why don't you give us kind of your final thoughts then going into, you know, wrapping up the Illinois and going into our third Big Ten game tomorrow night. Well, I think we talked a lot about this, Kathy. So I'll try and keep it as short as possible. Just that, again, you want to keep winning. And and yes, it was a much better effort. It was a better, you know, I felt better about this game than I did the Rutgers yeah. game back in the early part of December. I felt better about this game than I did maybe some of the games for example at Maine or whatever, you know, and a couple of the other games like that where we struggled on the road a little bit. But and just, I feel like the team is starting to really buy, you know, I almost say buy in, but they're starting to understand exactly what Terry Morin demands and why she demands it of them. And I feel pretty solid about that. Now they got two big games this week. And then you throw in next week, they, a week from Saturday, they go to Iowa. So there's a big stretch here coming up, but yeah, I just, I have a much better feeling about this stretch. And again, I'll be honest, I picked these two games as wins in the, in the preseason prediction. But you, you got to keep winning right now because Iowa right now is setting the pace. And so you got to keep up with them. Plus, you get this game against Michigan. Now you put them with a loss. And that gives you a little bit of distance instead of having to chase them as well. Yeah, um, I agree. I think um, uh, for me, I feel much better about this as well than I, I did some of the other games. Like, I, you know, I was not real um, – excited after the main game in particular where i know i get that we 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 ended up winning that game but boy it was a lot closer and a bit of a slug and i never 
quite felt nervous in this game, maybe a little bit when Illinois tied it, but I always just felt like they were in control and doing what they needed to do. And, you know, the interesting thing that we're seeing again with a, a coach more and a team is that we have multiple people that are, are pre, you know, contributing in different ways and not quite sure what you're going to get each night. Like we mentioned, this is a the third game in a row with 30 point um, scores and three different ones that, that scored nonetheless. And so I think, um, you know, if we can fix the turnover a little bit and the rebounds, I think they're going to be exactly where we need them to be. And here we're talking about that on January 3rd. So I, I feel pretty good about where this team is. I agree. Well, Jeff, I think that wraps us up. If we want to head into what's next up next. All right. Um, for us on doing the work, um, we will not be going live immediately after the game tomorrow night. Um, we will be coming back with you on Friday, January 5th. Um, it'll be a little bit earlier since it's a Friday for our, our normal time. We will be going live at 6 Eastern or 5 Central. We will wrap up that Michigan game and preview Nebraska. And then we'll be coming pretty fast and furious here with you with um, some doing the work shows. Um, because right after that on Sunday is the Nebraska game. And I am actually going to be going to that game now. So Jeff is going to be having um, Andy Bottoms from Assembly Call filling in for me on Nebraska, which is January 7th. And then we'll turn right back around on Wednesday. Um, January 10th after the Penn State game. Um, and then right after that on January 13th at the Iowa game. So we'll, we'll be coming at you pretty quick, but just remember um, we will be back with you on Friday to, to talk about Michigan. Um, assembly call on the men's side will be on tonight after the Michigan the Nebraska game um, post game show. They will also have their normal Thursday night game show tomorrow night. Um, as well. In terms of um, wanting to see us on the live show, if you'd love to be part of the live chat, we'd love to have you here. And you can subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash at back home network. You can also be part of our private community and find out more at assemblycall.substack.com. A special thanks to John Ringer of Riggs Design for designing our logo and a big thank you to Bob Thompson for the music you heard in our broadcast. But most of all, thank all of you for listening both live and after the fact. We appreciate all of you. And we will be back to talk IU Hoops with you again soon on Friday afternoon. But until then, keep your elbow in, your eyes on the rim, and let's go Hoosiers. Good time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Now we can go uh, cheer on the other side of the the, men, the basketball with the men's basketball game tonight. So, um, but yeah, we'll talk Friday afternoon then. Yep. Friday we'll afternoon, Friday. early evening, depending on which country part of you you live in. <laughs> yeah. So five o'clock Central Time. We'll be back here on Friday. So till then, everybody, we're yep. gonna get out of here. So we can go watch the men play yep. and see if they can get to three and zero. Oh. Yeah. Sounds good. Good night, everyone. See you, everybody.